Psalm 23 again, and I believe this is our eighth or ninth message in Psalm 23. You say, Pastor, it's only six verses. There's so much good here in Psalm 23. Tonight we come to verse number five, where the Bible says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. By the way, next Sunday night, when we have the Lord's table, our text will be right there. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. God just providentially worked that out when we have the Lord's table, and I'm going to enjoy that text for the next Sunday evening. But when I look at tonight, and I think about how the Bible says here, in the presence of mine enemy. God's preparing a table for us. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I seem to start to miss when I was a kid growing up, and I know being a teenage boy, you wouldn't think this, but I always enjoyed time around the table. I always enjoyed dinner time as a family. And it just seems like families have got away from that. Families don't really spend a lot of time around the table. Everybody kind of gets food whenever and eats it wherever. And, and uh, you know, I just, I enjoy those times. I look back on those even with our children. And uh, we were talking with uh, our two of our daughters, I think it was yesterday or day before, about times when we sat down. I believe it was one of the times was when we were around my, my mother and father-in-law's uh, table and uh, my mother, my mother-in-law was a lot like her mother, and uh, whatever she put down on the table, you ate it. Remember those days? Some of us remember that. Whether you liked it or not, you ate it. And my, my daughter was talking about how one night there was spinach that was put down, and my daughter says, I don't care what Popeye says. I don't like that stuff, you know? And I said, well, Popeye said it made him strong to the finish, and she says, well, I don't think he ate that mushy, much, uh, mushy spinach that I had to eat whenever we sat down at Grandma's table. But now I think about this passage tonight where the Bible says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And you think about just all those statements there. And one of the first thoughts I had was when you see this, Thou preparest, how God is the one that, of course, we know that this is talking about our shepherd in verse number one. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And God is the one, according to this psalm, that delights in preparing a table for us. And what's neat, and we'll talk about this tonight, is he does that in the presence of our enemies. And the reason that he does this is because he is our shepherd. Because he's our shepherd... We shall not want. God provides for us. God cares for us. He knows what our needs are. Listen, tonight, maybe you've shared it with a, a family member, your spouse, or a friend. But whether you've shared it or not, God knows what you and I have need of before we ever ask. And He loves us. He is our shepherd. And we ought to praise the Lord, as Brother Robert sang tonight, we ought to praise the Lord for who He is. And we ought to praise the Lord for the power that he has to work in our lives. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed how God works, how God understands. You see, the shepherd, when it comes to the sheep, the shepherd always understands 
the present dangers that are always there when it comes to the sheep. Shepherding was something that was a very dangerous job. It was dangerous work. David, if you look here in your outline tonight, David gave a testimony. Remember the scene in, in 1 Samuel where David came upon his brothers and the army of Israel and nobody was doing anything. There was this giant of a man that was blaspheming uh, not only the army of Israel, but was blaspheming his God. And David, of course, comes and Saul's the one that's in charge at that time. And David gives a testimony to Saul about this giant by the name of Goliath. Notice in verse 31 of 1 Samuel 17, when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. Remember how David comes on the scene and he literally, I'm kind of paraphrasing, he says, why isn't somebody doing something? Is there not a cause? Why don't somebody shut this giant of a man up that is blaspheming our God? And David, again, he says to Saul and he sent for him, David heard the words and the Bible says they rehearsed what David heard and what he said before Saul and Saul sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David said, look, I don't really understand why everybody in the army has the paralysis of analysis, why no one will go and stand up to this man. But David says, look, if no one else will, and I love how he identifies himself as a servant. He says to Saul, thy servant, I'll go and I'll fight with this Philistine. And so what I was thinking about was this, that it's no accident, but David providentially, how God allows David to hear what the giant is saying. David comes at that moment, he hears the words of the enemy, and upon hearing that, I love this, his heart was stirred. Does it bother you when people blaspheme your God? People talk bad about the faith that you believe in and the Bible that you hold so dear and so true. You know, we were talking, I don't remember who it was the other day, and we were talking about how there used to be a day when you would come upon somebody that may be an unsaved person. And maybe they, they were either doing something or maybe they were saying something, but because they found out or they saw that you were a Christian, they stopped saying what they were saying or they stopped doing what they were doing because you stepped into their presence. Those days are long gone. People don't respect God. They don't respect the man of God. They don't respect the things of God. But I'll tell you this, when David came on the scene and he heard these words, it bothered David. And, and listen, it's one thing to be bothered. It's another thing to be bothered enough to be stirred to do something about it. And David says, look, if nobody else will, I will go. And I, I really believe that when I look at the life of David, it always challenges and encourages me. I really believe in 2020 that God is still looking for those believers, those Christians, God's people who have a heart that if God would stir it and this world would stir it, that they would be stirred to action. They would be stirred to serve God. And so when David came upon this scene, 
the giant of a man was making his speech. Let's pick it up here in verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17. David spake to the men that stood by him. Here he is. The Bible describes him as really kind of a, in stature, kind of a small man. And he's standing here with these warrior of men. And the Bible says that he stood by, by them and saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother. Now, I never had brothers growing up. But you got to love Eliab. You know, here he is. He's hearing his youngest brother, David. All of a sudden, David, who's a shepherd by trade, David is actually the only one. Eliab wasn't doing it. But David speaks up, listen, not for himself, but for God, for the cause of Christ. And his brother says to him, look at this, his eldest brother, when he heard what he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? By the way, that wasn't Eliab's uh, job. It, he wasn't to be his brother's keeper. That was really not his to ask. But you can tell the hatred, the bitterness there. He, he's almost embarrassed because no one else is doing anything. But here's his youngest brother because no one else will. David pipes up and he almost wants to kind of squelch what David is saying to all the men, and he says, why comest thou down hither? In other words, why are you here? Why are you here? You're insignificant, David, is really what he's saying to him. And as you read on here, it says, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. Really? Kind of sounds to me like his older brother had a good dose of it too. The Bible says, he says, and I know the naughtiness of thine heart. Really, the Bible says, no man knoweth the heart. You see, only God knows our hearts. By the way, the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. Now, was he always that way? Certainly not. But God has immortalized him in that way, that he was a man that eventually had the heart of God. And his brother says, I know thy pride, thy naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Well, yeah, David thought, while I'm there, I'm probably going to see maybe a little action. Maybe I'm going to see the army of the host of Israel doing something against the enemy of God's people. And he, he was right about that. Now notice what David says. What have I now done? I mean, he's almost saying to his brother, what, what's your problem? I mean, what are you talking about? Nobody's doing anything. But you know what Eliab was thinking was, look, we're mighty warriors. You're just a shepherd boy. I mean, look, if none of us can take this guy on, you can't either. And David's response was, is there not a cause? 
Folks, I hope we can learn something tonight from this matter of uh, being a shepherd and the dangers of shepherding and word begins to spread that, that David had said, listen, if nobody else will, I'll fight the giant of a man. Notice in verse 33, Saul then says to David, thou art not able. And by the way, he was right. David couldn't on his own. He says, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Now, certainly Saul, just like all the other, like David's brother, Saul wasn't really thinking about God. You know what he was thinking? He was thinking about, we need a man to go against a man. He was thinking, humanly speaking, we need someone to take on this giant of a man and what he was doing, he was leaving God out of the equation. And that's a temptation that you and I face on a daily basis. Is we don't let God into the equation when it comes to our lives. And as we look at this passage, look at verse 34. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. He's, in other words, it's almost like David is saying to Saul, Listen, don't listen to my brother. Let me just, let me just give you a little bit of insight what's happened in my life as a shepherd. He says, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him. I mean, now listen, a man is a man, but a lion and a bear, that's a totally different, that's totally different. And he says, look, I went after them. I didn't just let them take the lamb and just say, oh, it's just a lamb. Go ahead. I, I'm not messing with you. No, David said, I went after him and smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And he says, and this uncircumcised Philistine, this man, he says, he shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Now we know the story, and I won't share the rest of it, but for the sake of Psalm 23 tonight, I want you to think about this. The story ends with God actually proving himself through David. Remember how many, how many stones did David pick up out of the brook? Five. How many did he need? One. Or should I say, how many did God need? Because that's all David did. David loaded that sling one time. God guided that one stone. One stone dropped this giant of a man. God proved himself in the life of David. And what a wonderful situation we see there. That David said, listen, the whole reason that I want to stand against this enemy is that all the earth would know that there is a God in Israel. Now listen, that brings us back to Psalm 23. You know, you think about it. Listen, there are enemies out there. They're not Goliaths. But I'll tell you this, any enemy we face is always larger than we are. I mean, honestly, even the scientists and doctors don't know, still don't know what to do with coronavirus. They still don't have a clue after all this time. 
By the time they do, uh, and they, they claim that they've come up with a vaccine, listen, by the time they have it, it's probably going to be obsolete. But I'll tell you this, I'm trusting in the living God. I'm trusting in God to get us through. And listen, there are going to be in our lives, look, when this enemy passes, there will be another one. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's just it. That's why I don't want to be a Christian, because there's always good. Listen, there are, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. I've seen unsaved people fight battles in their lives, and I would much rather be a Christian with God by my side than be somebody that doesn't know the Lord and not have God with him. And as we see this scene with David, the point here was what? David was a shepherd. David's given this testimony as a shepherd. He told Saul, he was saying, look, look, when it came to shepherding, he says, I've, I've gone toe-to-toe with the lion and the bear. David says, look, this enemy here, it's no different. He says, he will fall. He says, he will, I will slay him just like I did the lion and the bear. And that's what he's telling Saul. And he's saying, look, there, there have been other enemies in my life. They're out there. There are those that we're going to have to battle David went hand-to-hand with a lion and a bear. Just like we read about Samson this morning when the lion came at him, and he, the Bible says he, he literally tore that, that lion uh, by, uh, apart by his hands. And aside from not only dangerous animals that David had gone up against, the lion and the bear, a shepherd also knew that as the sheep were grazing and feeding that there were certain plants that were dangerous. There were certain plants that if the sheep would eat those plants, it could bring disease or even death. And the shepherd had to always be looking at what the sheep were eating. David says, listen, I've got to be aware. By the way, there were water sources that shepherds always also had to be mindful of. Because again, if they drank of the wrong water source, you think about so many people today, Folks, listen, I don't even know. I've lost track of how many different versions or perversions of the Bible there are. And a lot of times, just because it says Holy Bible on it, people believe that that's the Word of God. Now, can I tell you that most Bibles, no matter what version they are, they contain some of the Word of God. But there have been many omissions and deletions and changes in so many Bibles You say, Pastor, I just don't know what Bible to use. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, God has promised us that he has preserved his word to all generations. Somewhere out there is the pure, unadulterated word of God. And I personally believe as I've lived my life and studied God's word, I believe for the English-speaking people, it's in the King James Version of the Bible. Now, you might differ from that, and guess what? I love you. I can lead somebody... to to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ with a different version of the Bible. Why? Because, again, there's enough truth in every Bible that somebody can be saved with a different version of the Bible. But listen, I've studied the, the Word of God for long enough in the original form that God gave it that, listen, as you study it, what I'm looking for is what is pure, what is untampered, because why? If something has been messed with, if something is toxic, it's not good for the sheep. We need to make sure that we understand that. And that's why David was telling Saul, look, it's dangerous to be a shepherd. You know, I I was thinking, oh, we don't, we don't, uh, down here in Florida, when we moved, we had a dog and 
uh, we decided not to, he was an older dog, and we decided not to bring him as we moved here to Florida, and I know a lot of people that do, some of you have dogs, and maybe you have a cat or something like that. I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I've heard that there are frogs, of course we've had some at our house too, that, that frogs around here, some of them are poisonous, and I thought, any dog I've ever owned, they love to mess around with frogs. I remember all the time, my, my dog, uh, cars would run over them, and my, my dog would somehow drag them up into the yard, and, and I don't know why, but they would roll over on their back, and they would, I don't know if they were scratching their back on them or what they were doing, but I can just see somebody like myself having a dog going out in the yard, seeing one of these frogs, and wanting to play with it and trying to bite it, and the frog was poisonous, and it would kill my dog. And I thought, I don't want to mess with that. You know, there's, there's all kinds of danger out there, and that's what David was trying to share with Saul. By the way, David wasn't sharing it with everyone else. He was just trying to sell, tell Saul that, that, listen, this matter of being a shepherd is something that he understands. And when David actually sat down and God allowed David to pen the words to Psalm 23, I think that David, like this picture here, was maybe thinking about some of those potential enemies that are out there. By the way, there are a lot of them in 2020. There are many enemies today trying to derail us. Maybe David thought of what, about the times that Saul took a javelin and tried to take his life on a couple occasions. Maybe David thought about his own children. That's a hard pill to swallow where his own children rebelled against him. I'm going to tell you something. Our daughters, I love every one of them, and I'm, I'm, I thank God every day, and I probably don't tell them enough, but I thank God that our children have always obeyed us and they've always honored us. I'm proud of them. I, look, I know I didn't agree with everything with my parents, and I know my children don't agree with everything that, that their parents do or say or maybe, maybe the way they work in their lives, but I'll tell you this, they've always honored the authority that God's placed in their lives, and that is rare nowadays for children to do that with their parents, especially grown children. But David maybe thought about his children that rebelled against him. Maybe David thought about, remember a couple of Sundays ago we talked about when David and his mighty men came back to Ziklag and the Bible says they all looked at him, that he was to be blamed, and the Bible says they spake of stoning him. Those are enemies, folks. <laughs> even though they're his family, even though they're his mighty men that were with him, David thought about all these potential enemies in his life, and then maybe David thought about this. By the way, I hope in your life you can identify who are some enemies or potential enemies, but I hope that as you think about those enemies, listen, don't ever lose sight of the fact that even though those enemies are out there and the potential's out there, maybe we ought to be just like David and we ought to think about how God had delivered David through every last one of those enemy attacks. You know, God is good all the time. And look at this tonight. Notice the preparation that he mentions in Psalm 23, the preparation of the table. Thou preparest a table before me. The sheep, uh, as the shepherd would care for them, he would bring them to a certain place so that they could feed or they could graze. And it was not the responsibility of the sheep to feed themselves. It was the responsibility of the shepherd to feed them, to take them to the right pasture. And many times in our lives, look, what we try to do as sheep is we try to take too many things upon ourselves instead of letting the shepherd lead us, instead of the shepherd taking us 
to where we need to be feeding. We try to take those things upon ourselves. And David makes the statement here. He says, thou prepare us a table, look at this, before me. The sheep didn't have to wonder about, okay, where are we going to eat next? See, God was preparing it before them. The word table here, it's making a reference to a place to receive nourishment. When we lived in California, we were in the Mojave Desert, and occasionally, not many times, I would see shepherds that had sheep, and I I thought, what a strange place, because most of what was out there was just what we called tumbleweed and sagebrush, and I thought, what are these poor sheep eating? You know, look, the shepherd knows where the green pastures are, where where the still waters are. The shepherd was the one responsible, and and, and when I think about that, I think about how it is God, uh, and I love this thought, thou preparest. It's God that does the preparing. It's God that does the blessings in our lives. God is the one that is able to care for us and, and to give us whatever we need in our lives. Paul said it this way, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about what he wrote to those in Ephesus? He says, there now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Notice here, all that we ask or think. I mean, folks, you and I, we can't even think that much. We can't even fathom that much with our finite minds. God is infinite, and the Bible says that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Our God is able to do all things. And that includes, look at the passage tonight, it includes preparing a table before us. Now watch this. He's preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I'm okay with God, and I'm, I'm okay with God preparing before us, but pastor, you just pulled the break right there, in the presence of mine enemies, that's what the Bible says here, that in the presence, sometimes what God will do is, notice here that we find that God will provide for us a table in the presence of our enemy, and what happens for us as God's people is many times we have a lack of faith in God's ability. Can God provide for us in the presence of our enemies? Look at Psalm 78. As a matter of fact, go there tonight. I wanted to share a couple of verses that may not be in your outline. And it's, a lot of this is right here in Psalm 78 tonight. Another great psalm that we see. And we're going to keep referencing back to Psalm 23 and verse number 5. But look at Psalm 78 verse 18. Where the Bible records there in the Old Testament that they tempted God in their hearts, watch this, how did they tempt him? By asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. And they said, can God furnish a table in the what? Now let me ask you tonight. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Certainly he can, right? But their question was, can God? Anytime we say, can God, or we ask, can God? We've asked the wrong question. 
because we're not considering who we're asking about. See, God can do what man cannot do. With God, all things are possible. And we have to believe that tonight. Do you ever wonder in your life, you think about the world that we live in today and you think about our country, when is our nation ever going to get back to seeking the Lord? You ever think about that? What's it going to take before our nation will come back to God? Now, sometimes people say it's a lost cause. Listen, then you don't believe in our God. You don't believe in revival. Uh, look, let me give you the, uh, the, the prescription here that God gives in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Here it is. If you want to know how we're ever going to come back to God, here it is right here. If my people, notice, not unsaved, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Well, that's where it starts right there. Remember how Eliab said to his brother David, hey, look, I know your pride. I know the naughtiness of your heart. I really don't believe that David was being prideful. I don't believe David was being naughty in his heart. I believe David believed in his God and that God was able. And the Bible says here, look at this, that if, if we want to get back to God, then first we must humble ourselves and then look at the next thing and pray. Listen, in the days ahead, I'm going to start purposefully scheduling and having some prayer times. I think as God's people, we need to get back to prayer. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm not saying you don't have a prayer life. I'm just saying that, listen, yes, we need to have personal, private prayer, but we also need to have collective prayer, corporate prayer. And the Bible says that we need to humble ourselves and we need to pray. And then look at the next thing, seek my face. Don't you want to know what God wants us to do? Hey, listen, when it comes to this new year, I know it's August. I've been asking the Lord, God, what do you want for Bible Baptist Church in 2021? Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you, I love the theme God gave me for this year because you couldn't have picked a better theme for 2020 other than it is well. I mean, folks, even with all that's going on, so many times in my heart, I just say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I just know this. It's well. It is well. And the Bible says we've got to humble ourselves We've got to pray, we've got to seek the face of God, and then look at this, and turn from their wicked ways. We're sinners. Every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. God says, unless you humble yourselves, pray and seek my face and turn, remember Remember how I talked about Samson with that Nazarite vow that he was separated unto the Lord? Folks, look, as we live as Christians, yes, we ought to be separated from the world and separated unto the Lord. The Bible says we need to turn from our wicked ways, and if we'll do those, then, God says. I love that word there in that verse. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God, listen, as you look at that prescription there, God has no problem with being able to hear from heaven. You have to know that God can hear us from wherever we're at, that as we pray, that God is everywhere, that he is omnipresent. God has no problem with being able to hear from heaven. He has no problem with forgiving us of our sins and healing our land. God has no problem with that. God is, as we read earlier in Ephesians, he is abundantly able to do that. But as his people... Just like those that 
David came upon out there with Saul as his people. Many times we struggle. We struggle to call upon him. We struggle to humble ourselves. We really don't want to turn from our wicked ways. And that's why we don't see revival. That's why we don't see God's people coming back to him. And as we think about this, listen, as we look at Psalm 78, look at verse 35. They remembered that God was their rock and that the high God, their redeemer, nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. They, in other words, they gave lip service to God. They lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, look at this, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. Isn't God good? Even when we don't deserve it, that's what you call mercy. The Bible says that God forgave their iniquity. He destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away. And by the way, that's God's prerogative. And notice he did not stir up all his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh. See, we're, we're weak. We're but dirt. Notice how he describes us, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. That's how, you think about your life, the span of your life, there it is right there in a description it, it, the Bible says we're just like a wind that passeth away, cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God. Many times people talk about that nowadays. In the Old Testament, it's known as backsliding. That's what they did. They turned back. They tempted God. And notice they limited the Holy One of Israel. And God reminds us here in Psalm 78 that our lives are just like that brief wind blowing by that that listen while we are here and I was trying to tell the boys and girls this morning while we're here the life that God has given to you look can I tell you the best thing that you and I can do is to invest our lives into eternity well how do we do that by serving him by living for him that's what David was trying to do look even though there was an enemy David says I'm gonna live for God and by the way if, the, if that enemy takes my life then I'd rather go out serving God than not do something for the Lord and so we see here Psalm 78 look at verse 41 again the Bible says they limited God I don't want to limit God you know how we limit God? By our unbelief. You remember how many times Jesus had a conversation, listen, with his disciples and had to remind them, O ye of little faith. What was he constantly trying to do? He was constantly trying to increase their faith. Why do you think God prepares a table before us, listen, in the presence of our enemies to increase our faith? And we see here that they limited God. Our, our need in our lives, it's no different than theirs was back in David's day. Our need is still so great, but certainly God is greater than our need, and we need to have as Thomas needed in his life, we need to have faith to believe that God will provide all our need. Look on here in Romans chapter 8. I love these verses. We know Romans 8, 28 really well, don't we? 
But look at the verses that follow. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you hear what the Bible says? That God knew that you and I were going to be saved. And God says, look, look, my desire, my heart is that they would become more like my dear son. To be like Jesus. In other words, we use the word Christian. To be like Christ. And look what he says. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he called whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, is God for us today? So the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Folks, it's that easy. So many times we struggle in our lives. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm facing. All these enemies everywhere I turn. I mean, I've got people at work that are opposing me, and I've got family members that are opposing me. Hey, look, David said, look, it was a lion, then it was a bear. Now it's this Philistine. But if God be for us, who can be against us? David said, look, he's going down just like that bear and that lion. He says, God is on my side. Look at as we read on. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son. He's talking about Jesus. He didn't withhold the greatest gift of all, the unspeakable gift of God, his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. He delivered him up for us all. If he would not withhold his son, look at this, how shall he not with him also freely give us what? All things. You know what all means? It means all. God says, look, I'm not going to withhold anything from you. He says, I'm going to prepare a table before you. And look, when I think about what we attain to, what we aspire to in this life, look, our gold and our silver doesn't impress God. You know what impresses God? Our faith. Our faith in Him. Our unbelief or lack of faith is what limits God. That's what limited God in the wilderness, the people of God. We must believe that God is, and we must believe that God, we can trust him even when it comes to the enemy and the conflict that we face. The real victories, folks, listen, are not sitting outside watching what's going on. The real victories are when we are inside the arena. We've got to, like David, we've got to get in the fight. Hey, look, don't be like the army of Israel standing on the sidelines going, boy, I wish somebody would go in and play the game. Look, I, I realize there are many spectator sports. Christianity is not one of them. God didn't save you just to sit by and watch other people serve God. God says, I want all of you to serve me. There is a cause. Folks, I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but I'm going to tell you this. I want to be found faithful when he does come back. I want to be serving the Lord. And when I think about what the Lord did for us, look, we don't have to worry when we think about getting in the fight. You and I, we don't have to worry about the enemy. I mean, look, no doubt, David knew his size, and he knew how big this giant of a man was. Nobody had to tell him. I mean, Saul, he's 
He's like, remember what Saul offered him? His armor. They even tried it on David, and David says, I, I can't go with this. I haven't proved it. In other words, I haven't gone to battle in this. You know, I'm probably going to get killed trying to wear this stuff. David says, I think I'll just trust what I've always trusted, and that is God and the weapons that God has given to me as a shepherd. A sling, you know, a staff that we talked about last week. So here he is. David understands that he didn't have to worry about anything. Why? Because our shepherd, his shepherd, was preparing the table. God prepares the table and in our lives, don't you know that in our lives, when, it, when God prepared the table for us, listen, can I tell you, you think about what it took for God to pre- prepare the table for us as his children? I'll tell you what it took God. It took Calvary. It took the, the death of his son, Jesus. When Jesus, as God, left heaven and he came to this earth, listen, he knew before he left heaven why he came. He knew what he would go through, and yet he came anyway. And when I think about what it took God, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And because God prepared the table, listen to me, because he prepared the table, then we can, as his children, we can come to it. We can dine at it by faith. And so we see here the preparation of the table. But then notice, secondly, the presence of the enemy. This is amazing when you look at it. And I'm just looking at Psalm 23 and verse number 5. He says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. And when you think about enemies and, and them being present, being around us, Look, I don't know about you, but when there's an enemy out there, the safest place to be is next to the shepherd, with the shepherd. The enemy drives the sheep closer to the shepherd. And so many times I see people who say they're Christians who want to get away from God, who want to do what they want to do with their lives. Hey, folks, can I tell you the best place to be is close to the shepherd. Why? Because there is a real enemy out there the Bible describes the world. By the way, the world's not going to help you. The world's going to pull you down. The flesh, even Paul struggled at times. And certainly we know the devil. By the way, don't give too much credit to the devil. Because oftentimes it's our flesh. And it's our associations, evil communications, corrupt good manners. So we see here that the The enemy is real, and God, listen, I know we don't like to think of it this way, but we've seen so many examples in recent weeks where God actually uses these enemies as tools. By the way, God can do that. And he'll use many of these enemies, we see it in the Word of God, to cause us to trust him. He uses the enemy to cause us to believe in him. He uses the enemy to cause us, watch this sometimes, for us to receive him. As our Lord and Savior, Jesus said in John 17, 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus knew 
what his disciples, what his followers were going to face. And by the way, you and I, even though we have not physically walked with Jesus, he knows what we're facing today. He knows that we're not of this world and that the world is not going to be friendly to us. The world's not going to like us. Why? Because we're in love with Jesus. Because we're trying to share the good news with them. And many of us live sometimes in our lives almost like this world that we live in is our final home. Folks, look, we're just passing through. This world is not it. Some religions today, they actually teach that what we are living right now, that this is heaven on earth, boy, are they going to be surprised. But notice as we read on in John 17, look at verse 15. Here's what Jesus goes on to say. I pray not, listen to these words. He's praying to his father. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. You ever, you ever get that way in your life when something's going on and you're like, man, God, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready. I, don't, I, I want to avoid this. I want to detour around this. God, I'm ready. Take, please take me out of here because I can't handle this. I, look, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I can raise my hand tonight. Sometimes there are things that happen in our lives, and, and my thought is, humanly speaking, is, God, I just want to pack it up. And Jesus, look at his prayer. He's praying to his Father. He says, I'm praying I'm not praying that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. God has a way to do that. Sometimes when I pray, here's what I pray for you is God would build a protective hedge about you. I pray that for our church, that God would keep the, the devil away. You know that the devil wants to snatch the seed of the word of God. And Jesus said, Lord, he says, Father, I'm praying... Don't take them out of the world. You know why? Because when Christians, hey, listen, you read your Bible. One day the Lord's going to come back and, and God's saints are going to be raptured out. And this world, all the saved are going to be gone. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no holds barred at that point. Anything goes. You think it's bad now. When the witness is gone. When the light is gone. I mean, you think the world is dark now. Listen, as long as God's Holy Spirit is in this world, there is still light. But when God is removed, hey, they, look, we can already look at what happened when they took God out of the schools many years ago in the 60s. When they've taken God out of the courthouses. And there's going to come a day where all of God's people are going to be taken out. And Jesus said, look, don't take them out of this world. Leave them, but keep them from the evil, look, they are not of this world, he says to the Father, even as I am not of the world, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. The word sanctify, I said it this morning, it means to set apart. Or a lot of times, set apart for sacred use. Jesus said, look, what's going to help them in this world? Here it is. The truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. She said, set them apart by thy truth. You know what this world needs to hear? They need to hear the truth. Do you ever hear the truth when you watch the news? No. Do you ever hear the truth when it's time for an election? No. But that's why people need the word of God. That's why they need to be in the house of God. So they, they can hear the truth. And the truth can make them free. And our God, here's what he does. 
look, many times we think, oh, I, I want to be around the table. Why? Because the Lord's preparing it. God, God has set the table. Hey, look, many times it might be a certain favorite restaurant, or I used to enjoy going to either my parents' house or my in-laws' house and sitting down. Why? Because I knew that when they put food on the table, it was going to be good, minus the spinach. But when God prepares the table, can you imagine? But he says that he's preparing the table before us in the presence of our enemies. See, what God is doing is he is leaving us at the table with our enemies. Some people don't like that. We want all the enemies to be removed. We want our lives to be smooth sailing. God's never promised that. Look in the Bible. I can't find a verse for that. God never said, now that you're saved, hey, listen, it's just smooth sailing all the way from here to heaven. It doesn't tell us that. Matter of fact, Paul's testimony time and time again, hey, read about Stephen. He was martyred for his faith. We see here that we, we would love to avoid it. Think about Moses. Remember Moses' conversations with God in the Old Testament and how Moses, God says, look, Moses, I want you to go in. I want you to leave my people out. And Moses like, uh, 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 he couldn't even hardly talk. And Moses was basically saying to God, hey, look, I'll tell you what, God, I'll do it if you take Pharaoh out of the way. You know, God was going to use Pharaoh. We know how that situation happened and how God used the hardness of Pharaoh's heart. Why? Because God manifested his glory. God got the glory out of that. Why? Because Pharaoh did everything he could to keep God's people under bondage and, and, and not be able to serve the true and living God. And, and Moses was, was arguing with God. He wanted God to remove it. God says, no, no, Moses. He said, I want you to face him. You see, we're going to be standing, you and I, we're going to be standing in the presence of our enemies. But here's the best part, just like the Apostle Paul's testimony, that while we are standing there with the enemy or while we're seated at the table with the enemy, the Lord is with us. See, we're not there alone. You think about Daniel. Remember Daniel was in the lion's den? I don't know what Daniel used for a pillow that night. But I'll tell you this, remember how the king went to the lion's den and he cried out, Daniel, are you there? I didn't hear Daniel screaming, hey, get me out of here. I mean, all night I've been running in circles trying to stay away from these lions. Maybe he used one of those for a pillow. Sounds to me like the Lord was with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went into that burning, fiery furnace. God went with them. You see, the Lord is with us. And I think about times in our lives, why don't we trust the Lord? Why don't you and I just sit down at his table by faith? Hey, you say, well, pastor, if I sit down at the table that he's preparing with me, for me, it's going to be in the presence of mine enemies. I don't know if I can handle that. Hey, that's where faith comes in because, look, one day God will show us, and I think this is going to be a tragedy in our lives. I think God's probably going to roll back maybe a, a screen or something someday and show us all the food that he had on the table that we never ate. We missed out on. Why? Because we allowed ourselves, like the army of Israel, to let the enemy intimidate us. If God be for us, who can be against us? See, the world is full of enemies, but this world is not our home. 
And there is conflict all around us. Look what Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 3. He says, brethren, be followers together of me. Look at this. And mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many, many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. He says, there are many people out there. He says, I've told you many, many times. Now he's doing it with tears running down his face. He says that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They're out there. He says, look, they're out there. Paul was in the presence of his enemies, but it was the presence of his enemies as he sat at the table that the Lord prepared for him. That was what brought him to the table was these enemies. Look at John writes here in 1 John 4, 4. And I, this is hopefully a verse you know very well. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. It doesn't matter how, how powerful the enemy is. No one is more powerful than God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And like Samson, we looked at this morning, that when the roaring lion comes after us, and by the way, there may be a roaring lion on the horizon in your life. It may be this week that you are going to be attacked, but as sheep, look, we don't have to worry. The only thing we need to do is keep our eyes on the shepherd. Don't worry about the enemy. David looked at that giant of man, he's like, says, isn't there a cause? He says, there is a God in Israel. David kept his eyes on the Lord, and our shepherd, he brings us to the table. Folks, look, the Lord's not going to bring us to the table and prepare a table before us that has things that are bad for us. He's only going to do good in our lives. And many times, how long? I think that there are so many of God's people that have not come to the table, that have not rested at the table, that have not dined at the table that he is preparing before us. Why? Because the Bible says that he's going to do it in the presence of our enemies. One week from tonight, we're going to, we're going to have the table, the Lord's table. When we take that Lord's table, it's going to be a time to remember what the Lord's done for us. But think about all the enemies that Jesus faced before he went to give his life. We talk about his broken body, his shed blood. I know when I was a kid growing up, before I even knew Christ as my Savior, the stations of the cross, they oftentimes called them, all that Jesus went through. Do you know that Jesus went through six trials through the night? He was passed from one to the other. He was accused. He was beaten. And yet the Bible says he knew no sin. Never spoke up, never said, look, you need to let me go. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He did that for us. And as I think about our lives in this passage tonight, there's nothing that you and I would face this week, this year, that should destroy us. Why? Because 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The Bible tells us in Romans, we are more, more, than conquerors through him that loved us. So I don't know if you're hungry tonight, but I hope if you are, that you would come to the table that he's preparing before you.
and that as you come, he's preparing it in the presence of your enemies. That God will help you if you have the faith to withstand whatever that is that you will face. Would you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I think it's a great passage, Psalm 23. We've been through four verses tonight. We come to this verse. How God is preparing a table before us. Hey, heaven's going to be a wonderful place. You think about the streets of gold and all manner of fruit. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 23 that while we're in this life, the Lord is preparing a table before us. Don't you want to come to that table? Don't you want to have faith that whatever it is that God has for you? Don't let your fear, your flesh, this world cause you to stay away from the table. Because you know who's at that table? The shepherd is. And he never brings us to a place that's bad for us. Remember, he knows. He knows the right food. He knows the right water. And God will use even our enemies. Why? So that God will prove himself. That's what he did in David's life. Can you imagine the army of Israel as David stood there with his sling finally stopping after the stone left it. And the giant laying on the field in the valley of Elah. And the entire army of Israel with their mouths hanging wide open. Folks, there's no other way to explain that other than God did that. You see, David came to the table. And even though there was an enemy, God gave him the victory. Lord, I pray you'd help us as your children. Certainly, we cannot, as Saul tried to do, we cannot match, humanly speaking, with what the devil and the flesh and the world tries to throw at us. Lord, we need you. Lord, may we learn from this psalm tonight as we come to the table that you've prepared. Lord, help us to realize that you want to use even the enemy to bring us closer to you. Bless this time of invitation tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?